0: I'm going to read from Romans chapter 11, verse 36 through 12 to, for from him and through him and to him are all things to him. Be glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God all oh, my heart, I want to give to you my attention to what you have spoken from your word, my attention to the moment that is here in this opportunity, this privilege, and this responsibility to convey your word. That your people may hear it and rejoice in you. That you receive all the glory. Because this comes from you. And may it go back to you. May it return to you. Giving you praise and glory and honor that you're due. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we go back to, and if, Chase, if you want to put it there, uh, 11.36. It's a simple statement. I've heard it sung even from groups from the past. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. And there is so much in just that little sentence from him he is author and originator he is if we understand from old testament and when 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 moses was there at the burning bush and he was being told to go who do i say is sending me he didn't say, well, this is God, this is Yahweh, this is, you know, well, tell him, tell him that this person or this entity, this deity, no. I am. You tell them that I am has sent you. Like, ex, like existence. Like none of us, we, we exist because. He doesn't have a because. There is no, he exists because, no, he, he does, he is. So, so from him as author and originator, like all of this, all that was made, through him, by his power, we know scriptures, by his power it all holds together. By on on his authority, it stands or falls. And then to him, to him, it is for his glory. It is for his glory. Because he is, because he is when we experience things and we go through things in life or we do something that's just fantastic maybe we do something great and we we kind of like you expect i did that i kind of feel like i ought to be like at least recognized or noticed for what i did but then as a person it's like i realize it's like well that that didn't come from me anything that i could do this great that any good thing that I could do all good things come from him so i have this i i'm just i i can't claim that i have anything so so i i in my humanist expect to be recognized for doing something really cool or doing something really smart but i can't claim all of the anything so it's like my wanting to be glorified for that kind of falls short because i owe someone else i owe teachers who have taught me in just doing things and ultimately all oh god he owes not no one he's worthy of all the glory because it all comes from him so when we have this kind of beginning picture from him and through him and then To Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. It just like that's the natural course. Like this makes, this makes the most sense. And we say that in understanding the Word and picking that up because God has made us to understand His Word. He's given us light to see that it's Him and it's not us. To be able to say, Hey, in me there is no good thing. But but Christ in me is more than just a good thing. It is the thing. You know? It is it is the thing, it's Christ in me. And there is the power, and there's where the glory goes. And there so when we can say, you know, it's not about me. And really, genuinely know that. Not just, well, I know it's the right thing to say. Well, you know, thank you for saying that was really great. I still want to hold on to a little bit of that because it feels good. It's like we are to be a conduit that to Him is being a conduit that whatever praise we get, whatever someone says, great job, that we delight in the fact that it's just flowing through this conduit back to the one who originated it. Back to the one whose idea was in the first place that we would live and do things to glorify him. I don't want to be a conduit that's got stuff sticking down in it trying to grab a hold of what's supposed to all go back to him. I don't want to be, I want to be, I want to be in a sense, slick on the inside of this conduit so that praise comes and it can just naturally flow through me right to Him. And I can feel the glory of God going through and enjoy that because it's going where it belongs. I and you, we and ourselves, we do not have enough to hold on to the glory that belongs to God. And it it doesn't take much looking around to see how that destroys people, trying to hold on to the glory that belongs to God. So, from Him, through Him, and to Him, for His glory, Amen. Romans chapter... 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, like in light of these things, and there's a lot more than just the, the few things that I've said, but in light of, of these things, like who it came from and how it came to be here and who deserves the glory. In light of these things, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God that we live in, we need, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Or other versions say, your reasonable, your rational service, like it's it's like in light of his mercy and, and in light of who he is y'all as believers if we understand it, it make it just makes sense like it just makes sense that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice if we understand who it is and what has been done and how we are beneficiaries of his grace and of his mercy it just it just it's not a hard thing to understand that being a living sacrifice is just a natural expression of the work of God in us. And I don't mean natural in the natural man. It's like, no, it's just a, the natural progression of steps and understanding who God is and what He's done elicits praise. Right? It's just like, it's gonna come out. You don't have to force it. You don't have to train it. It's just, it's just gonna happen because you realize, you recognize it's it's not me, it's him, but we're called to be living sacrifices, not killed on an altar in a temple. You hear me not not dead, killed in a, on an altar in a temple someplace, but a living sacrifice speaks of ongoing it is ongoing in the temple of the holy spirit so what is the what is the temple of the holy spirit what right this thing your body your body like your life you you what you're walking around in this is a temple this is the temple of the holy spirit so being conscious of that we know that there should be we should be carrying this frame very different with a different perspective or a different understanding because we know hey this is where it came from now y'all that begins to challenge everything about what it means to be a living sacrifice and everything about how we handle this thing that God has given us to live in like it it begins to touch on everything that we do with this and and I'll I'll let that Play out, but this living sacrifice is to die to yourself. To die to yourself, it is dead to sin and alive to God. We're familiar, right? We're we're kind of in this space, and Romans is. Like, since Randy's been preaching that, Romans just been like, my Bible falls open there, just like it falls open there, and I'm like, in those spaces, but I keep seeing, you just keep seeing the consistency of this teaching, and how it's not just supposed to be just teaching, but how it's like it's supposed to work out and walk out. But dead to sin, alive to God. Romans chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also and your members to God as instruments for righteousness so when you hear this being this is the the sacrifice this is the the sacrifice of self to be dead to sin alive to God the living sacrifice when we hear these activities this this consciousness about how we behave and what we're doing to bring our body to God it's like this is holy that set apart an acceptable to god kind of sacrifice presenting ourselves as members presenting our members as instruments of righteousness when we understand that it is his intention to work that work in us to make those changes in us Now here is in what I've seen, in what I've 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 heard and read and studied in the Word of God and just pouring through these things, this is the big point and the big picture the core or the root of sin is my will be done. And that is the real battle. It is the battle between my will be done and to God your will be done. That is the battle. When we think about sin, it's it's something to to make lists. And understand there there are lists. And scripture has lists. There are, are lists of laws. There are a lot of things that are that are just spelled out for us, so so that you would understand. No, this is sin, and this is not, and this is a sin, and this is a sin, and this is a sin. This, 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 and that. These are good and right. These are this is this is a this is contrary to. What do we come back to? Contrary to the design and plans of the author, the originator. So he has designs and plans. From the very beginning, he had an intention. When he created it all, from beginning to end, when it was over, he said it was good, and not just good, but he said very good. He made everything the way he wanted it to be, and he designed it, and he set it up, and so I know we can debate when it comes to like how things live out and how people act. It's like, well, how this affects. I've I've heard preachers and I respect them and I love them and I think they're right. But it's like, how does this affect society? Well, what will this do in society? And like, do you see the the implications of if this lifestyle or this plan or this carries out the implications on society are here? And it's like, well, okay, that all right, fine, that, okay, that's true. I guess you can see that. But it kind of comes back to God said I want these things to be this way. I designed, I created, I built, I made this to function this way. And the enemy and our forefather and mother said I want to I don't I don't want to do it your way. I I like my way. The enemy said, You shall be as God's. Just do this thing and just think of what, think of what you can accomplish. Ooh, my way. I like that. That sounds good. I'm sure he wouldn't want to withhold from me all these good things. I'll take my way over his way. And it's easy for us to look back over that and say, Wow, that was dumb when we still know what that's like. My way, wow I, I like my way. I like to do things the way I, I want it to go the way I want it to go. It's a lot of things. But to hear, let's let us hear the sinless Jesus. In the garden, Matthew chapter 26, 36 through 44. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Watch and pray that you may not enter into into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came, again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying, the same words again. Jesus felt as a man the weight of what it was going to be to take on the sins of the world. Right? We've already heard some of that even this morning, right? And what Jesse shared, it's like he felt the weight It wasn't just a token gesture of words that Jesus was saying there in that garden. The agony was not a show because he was God, and of course it has to be this way. No. As a man, he felt the weight of our sin. And he did not deserve it. Not one bit. And this is the sinless Son of God, in agony, feeling, if there's any way, like if, Father, if you've got any way, because I know what's coming on that cross. I understand crucifixion. I understand the pain that that's going to be. I understand pain as a man and what that's going to feel like. And I understand the betrayal That's going to happen there. And I also understand that I know I don't deserve it. I know that I'm not supposed to be on that because I didn't do anything against you. But when you hear that concept, like we know what it's like to be accused. Do y'all, any of y'all know what it's like to be accused of something you didn't do and how that feels to be punished for something that wasn't even your thing in the first place and just what that feels like to take that on? And yet that pales in comparison to what he was taking on. And here is the picture of the sinless Christ. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. We have 6,000 plus years of, of my will be done to prove that it won't work. We have 6,000 plus years of my will be done to be sure that this is a bad thing. And it, my will be done is chaos. Like, like if I got everything, if, if every prayer that I prayed to God was answered in the affirmative yes, there's just no telling what kind of insanity would be on this earth or what kind of trouble that I, that that would cause for others now multiply that ridiculousness times several million or let's say billions now you want to talk chaos everybody gets everything that they want And when we realize that chaos is everybody's clamoring to get what they want. My will be done. I want what I want and I want it right now. If I say ice cream, it should be on my table. And if you don't like ice cream, it's like, yeah, that's no big deal. I don't need that one. But if you do like ice cream, that's an issue. That could become an issue. And then I harken back to present this body as a living sacrifice. And following the patterns that God has laid out for living, how that challenges us because I want what I want and I want it right now. But I, I like it because it makes me feel better. I like it because it makes me feel good until it, until it's killing me. And then it doesn't feel so good anymore. And I know that I've made an illustration of ice cream or, or stuff but there are levels that run deeper than just stuff and things and food i have i i know that there is an appetite for everything that god created and called good that can be twisted and perverted to want things that god did not call good or to make the things that he did call good into something besides what they're supposed to be And there is a deeper picture of hell that when we stand with or when men stand with the Word of God in their hands and tell you that what God said didn't matter and it's not that important or we don't tie ourselves back to the Old Testament or to any of this other stuff and it's just not that important. All that matters is Jesus resurrected from the dead and that's all that counts. And you might think, who would do that? Talk to me later. (laughs) Because they do. There is. Uh, Anyway, we have 6,000 plus years of my will be done. And it's chaos. If all that was name it and claim it was lived out, chaos. It is the mercy and blessing of God that he does not answer every single one of the prayers for all of the things. And I, I don't even want to go into there either. In Christ, we see that your will be done does work. And it's the only thing that will. That is the only place where there is peace. So when we are called to be a living sacrifice, that is the sense of, I'm going to lay down myself in what I want or what I think I want or I think I need or I feel like would be good for me and say, Thy will be done. Death to self, dead to sin, dead to my way be done and alive to righteousness, which is God's will, God's way be done. Now we come to Romans chapter twelve verse two. Romans twelve two. And in and then in light in light of being that living sacrifice holy and acceptable. Do not be conformed then, understanding this fallen world and, and what its root is, that my will be done. It's about me and what I want and what makes me feel good. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And what it means to be conformed to this world, it starts, it begins with, don't fight it. Don't fight it. Right? Jesse, you were sharing a lot, you know, about fight, you're fighting the good fight of faith. Fight sin. We haven't yet resisted to the shedding of blood against those things. And why? Because they, they so easily beset us. They're obstacles to our running the, running the race. They're obstacles to us fighting the good fight. But it begins with don't fight it. Go along to get along. It's like, how many, how many have seen It's a Wonderful Life? Like, you you know, a Christmas staple for us. It, it's a wonderful life. And there's this part where the principal, they're having the big, the big Charleston contest, right? And so everybody's on the dance floor and they're dancing and somebody's gonna open the door, you know, so I've got the key, right? Like, you, some of you could just, like, it, it just, you see, A grown up alfalfa is standing there with the key, you know, unlocking and watching the the floor part, you know, and George and Mary dancing back and forth and they have no concept of what is gonna happen to them. And then they hit the water and it keeps opening and opening and everybody's jumping in and the principal is there and he's like going, No, no, and trying to stop, and he's like, Oh well, and then he just jumps in the water and it's hilarious, it's kind of funny. But that don't fight it, just go along to get along. That's the principle. Who should be kind of keeping order and like, let's figure out how to stop this. We don't need wet people everywhere. This is not a good plan. This isn't going well. This is not a good idea. Let's stop it. We don't need the guy going, oh well, you know, and jumping in. We need someone that's going to step in and say, hey, this this doesn't turn any way but bad for a lot of people. So let's shut it down, you know. But conformed to this world, let's just go along to get along. And it's a and it's a, the conformed. Is a combination of external pressures and then lack of resistance. I'll, I'll illustrate it this way Silly Putty. Y'all familiar with Silly Putty? You've seen Silly Putty. If you take a large enough ball of Silly Putty, it doesn't stay a ball. It The weight of it just keeps keeps drooping it down over whatever it's laid on. Now you can also mold it and shape it and push it a little harder into something to take a shape that you want it to take. But that's the sense of being conformed. It's external pressures, the weight or whatever of the circumstances around us, what some people are saying, what some people think of us, or... You know, how am I going to be perceived? And here's these external pressures and then just kind of a lack of resistance. Oh well. Uh, okay. If it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. Que sera, Sarah, whatever will be, you know, just let it you know, I don't wanna don't wanna make any waves, I don't want to cause any trouble, and so you just begin to just take the shape of whatever. You begin to take the shape of whatever's around you. the final end of being conformed to this world is this it's first it's it's bondage to a moving target like it's bondage to something that is unstable in the first place what's the accepted thing today like, I could ask that question, well, what's the accepted thing today? And I bet we could rattle off a list of the accepted things in our society, in our culture, in our area, or maybe in our home. I don't know. Any? What are the acceptable things today? And we could come up with a list. And then we might also ask the question, which way is up today? In some places that you're around and like get outside of... Get outside of the word of God and you end up with which end is up today because it's all relative like there is no basis for anything. It's just all very relative. So when you are conformed to the world, that's a bondage to this ever moving structure Like it just doesn't have, it doesn't keep one form, it doesn't stay in one place. And then it comes down to, okay, well, who's calling the shots today? Which leads to chasing, chasing the approval of men. Chasing the approval of men. From experience... I, I, I know that there is a, I know that there's sort of a, understanding your weakness, knowing, knowing your weak spots is so important, I think, for all of us to understand. It's like, ooh, man, this could trip me up. But, but wanting to be approved and wanting somebody to say, good job is a, is a big thing and has been a really big thing for me. Now, there is something that God has made in us that 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 we would look to him and and want to hear you're familiar right the well done my good and faithful servant approval of god and i'm not talking about his i'm talking about peoples is that not just sort of a shifting thing i'll do anything you know, the, the Labrador retriever just pet me on the head and give me a snack, and I'll be here all week doing whatever you want, whenever you want, and however you want it, because you love me. You love me. You really do. And you see it. Like, we see it on display and it's all its, in all its grossness. When you look at the lifestyles of stars in Hollywood, Or um, on the stage in music, or on the stage in politics, everywhere the rock stars. You know whether you do rock and roll or not. Who is not the it's not the issue, but it's like the rock stars. What is going to curry favor with people who make a difference in how I live my life and do my things? Do you not hear? Can we not see how tiring that is? From my experience, that is tiring. It's relentless, and in the end, it's futile. It's like trying to nail jello to the wall. It's like trying to nail jello to a wall. It's like, it's a lot of work to try to figure out how to nail the jello to the wall. And then once you got it there, you have to ask the question, it's like, why did I want to nail Jello to the wall in the first place? It's futile. What was the what's the point? Like I've used that illustration. That's, that's trying to trying to pin that guy's like trying to to nail Jello to a wall, and then I think what compels a person to nail Jello to a wall? What value could that, that possibly have? And then the futility of it like really just stands out. It's like being conformed to the world. Is a nail jello to the wall kind of thing. It's always moving. It never changes. It's just, or it never stays the same. It's always, it's always in flux. And at the end, you just wonder, is like, what was the purpose of all this anyway? To just get a, a good pat on the back for somebody to say, hey, good job. You know, this time now, uh, perform again because this is the way it rolls. You just keep doing it over and over again. Hmm. The scary part for us with that is then we start to translate that over to God. The scary part is when we start to take that mindset and that clamoring for, and then we make that how we do things with God and how we see Him and how we see our identity in Him and how we see what it means to, again, coming back to what it means to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, and we take this concept of trying to please men and then we make God like people and we're trying to please this fickle something that just shifts around everywhere depending on what group you're with that is another uh, that is another insanity men are far from giving valid approval men are far from giving valid approval and i want to just and i'm and i'm addressing the world in the world apart from Christ they are far from giving valid approval case in point romans chapter 1 verses 18 through 23 You're, you know we've been we've been there right it's 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 familiar it's it's close it's close at hand in in the study we've been through Heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Men are far from giving valid approval. The world has nothing, the world in its sense, not the world that God created and that the globe that we we walk on. No, no, the world. Those things that set themselves apart from God, and though they know Him, deny Him. And though He's indeniable in all their structure and all they see, they will deny Him. They will accept a lie over the truth. They will believe the lie, hunger for the lie, grab the lie until they know nothing but lies, and the truth is not to be found in them anymore. So we need not concern ourselves with being approved by men because they don't have a valid basis to give us approval. So when we hear, do not be conformed to this world, do not let this world push you into some shape somewhere. And do not let this world even kick you to the curb don't let them push you around they don't get that opportunity now they may kill you they may persecute you they did it to jesus should we be surprised if we're living like him and they do it to us too so, hey, that's no surprise. I don't want to be shaped like them or look like them because their end is terrible. It's so Galatians chapter 1. Galatians 1, 10 through 11. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel was preached by, that that was preached by me is not man's gospel. Like the gospel we have was not written by men, decided by men, designed by men. So when Paul is preaching and he's calling and we are being called to preach, the part of that go into all the world is like we are not going to preach man's gospel. It was not by men and it's not for men. It is for the glory of God that men might see their need and repent and turn to their Maker. And be restored. It is though the the, the gospel. It's the pearls. It is the power of God to salvation. Right? We've seen that in Romans already. It is the power. I'm not ashamed of that thing. It is beautiful. So we don't look for the approval of men. In preaching this gospel. And in sharing this gospel. But the approval of, of God. We are not conformed to the world or its ways or its methods or its concepts or its structures then back to Romans 12.2 Romans 12.2 do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind transformed by the renewing of your mind If conformed to this world is bondage, then transformed is freedom. We are freed from the tyranny of shifting standards. In Christ, we, in the, in the gospel and in Christ, we are freed from the tyranny of shifting standards. What have we heard? We're no longer a slave to sin, but now a slave to righteousness. We're no longer... You you get that now that we know my will be done versus His will be done, seeking the shifting standards standards of men or, or following the design and plan of God, that's a different kind of slavery. So that you can hear slavery to sin, or a slave to God, and it feels completely different. A slave to the world is a slave to something you'll never be able to pin down and never be able to figure out because it's going to change from group to group, place to place, time to time, and across seasons and everything else. It's always going to be everywhere. So you're serving. How many people have worked for somebody and been given instructions, go do this, and then you go do it? That's not what I want you to do. I want you to do something else but that's not what you said no, no 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 i want you to do this and then you go do that thing what are you doing over here doing the thing you told me no 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 no. this is what i want you to do and this is how i want you to do it would somebody make up my mind here that is such a frustration and you leave for those places typically it's like i can't do this like i don't want us this. this is this is insane it always changes, it always changes. I now want to tie myself to this kind of lifestyle, these kind of things. I don't, it's just a constant a dither of thinking. But when you think of that concept, a slave to righteousness, we have it spelled out what righteousness means. Like, there's not this shifting, you know, kind of morphing, it's right here and we can look at it. This is what he calls righteousness. This is what he calls good and acceptable and holy. I don't have to guess. It's just right there. And I can just simply follow those things and press my heart into doing those things. And in that, being made a slave to righteousness is a beautiful slavery because you're chaining yourself to something that doesn't move and doesn't shift and it doesn't morph, it doesn't twist. We're no longer adrift on the sea. Like, tie me to an absolute truth that I know no matter how hard I stomp, no matter how hard I kick, no matter what I bring at it or what's brought at me, it's still true. It's not going to shift. It's not going to change. It's going to be there. I will chain myself to that, knowing this is a good thing. And it is a fixed point of reference. It is a fixed point of reference. When, you've, when, you're, when you're on the sea, and I've been out in the ocean just kind of a little bit, Okay, I haven't been on the big body where like you're out in the middle of it and there's nothing to see from miles around. But I've seen enough to know it's like I don't this is uncomfortable being out here. And it's like I've I've been washed out by the current before, kind of just kind of drifted out to sea in the ocean, and it's like that doesn't feel good because the the ground is disappearing and I'm still being kind of moved out into this and the beach is way over there. Far, far away. Imagine that being set out in the middle of it. And if a storm comes and it just goes up and down. And up and down. And there's no land. And if it's cloudy and there's no stars. And there's no fixed point of reference. Like that's frightening. I don't know about y'all, but that scares me. And even more so spiritually with my life before God. Even more so to be set adrift in a sea of, well, whatever works for you this week, or whatever you can kind of twist the scriptures into saying this week, I don't want to be in a place where it just, it kind of, well, it's morphed depending on where you're at and what you want, depending on what's popular, depending on what's current. We'll go this way. No! Give me the fixed point of reference. God's definition of beauty, good, right, true, and holy does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is not fickle as we have seen men be, as we have known ourselves to be. There is There are no shifting shadows. The Scripture says, there is no shadow of turning. Great is thy faithfulness, right? There is no shadow of turning with thee. That is the comfort that we have in a life that is transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit. We are escaping being conformed, and we're being transformed. We're being transformed, and transformed is not rebranded. And when I say rebranded, I mean it's like not a different version of the same old you. There are people who will try to rebrand themselves. I've been a star in Hollywood for so long, and I've gotten these certain roles, and I do these certain things, and it's like, I just got to recreate myself. Music artists, the same thing. Politicians, oh, I've, got a lot of, I've got a lot of skeletons in the closet. I've got a lot of dead wood to bury. Okay, I'm just going to rebrand myself. But it's just the same. It's just a different version of the same old thing. That's not transformation. We're not rebranded. We are transformed. We have, in Christ, we have a new identity. We have a new name. We are called something that we weren't before. We are called righteous. That imputed. You didn't deserve it. You just didn't. I didn't. And it's been given to us. We have a new identity. A new name. And I know that many can identify with us here. It's like we have the adoption as sons and daughters Romans chapter 8 verses 12 through 17 So then brothers we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh Do you hear the consistency in all the things that Paul is teaching all the way through here it's like I hear I hear and see these scriptures just like they just run back and forth over each other it's just like it's just like having something just wash through there again to fall back into fear, okay? Back into conforming to the world. Then there is fear, right? Because what's right, what's not, I don't know. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Father that that concept abba is not just a that's not just a another word for dad no it's daddy like when, as a as a father you hear daddy that's different than oh father i've heard the oh father one <laughs> that's usually not as positive oh father you know but dad daddy that pulls in my heart that pulls me into the scenario. Daddy, I don't know what to do. Dad, I need help. Dad, you know. That, pull, that, that is a heart cry. We've received the spirit of adoption as sons. By whom? By that spirit. We cry. Daddy. Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Yes, adopted, absolutely. But more than that, we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we also be glorified with Him. The merit and the weight of everything is new. Transformed is this. Transformed is this. Hear what I'm saying. Transformed is this. Becoming stone to the world and clay to the Word. You know what I'm saying? Transformed is this. Becoming stone to the world and clay to the Word, to the Word of God. Back to Romans 12.2 and we'll kind of wind this up. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, and acceptable and perfect. By the renewal of your mind, meditate on the word Philippians four eight, familiar. Finally, brothers. And here this here in this list, these are the fixed things that do not change. these are the things that aren't shifting and bending and morphing everywhere. no finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think. About these things. Engage your brain in these things. And what is true is what we see in the Word. What is honorable, what is pure, what is lovely, it's in the Word. The references, the, the, it's all spelled out there. And, and more than just think, because we can kind of just go, well, I, was, I was just thinking about this the other day. Even deeper than that is meditate. Like not not just kind of like passing thoughts, but a an intentional pouring over and over in the word. The Bible in reference uses it as as a, a husband to a wife is washing in the water of the word. It's not just a one and done, just kind of a spritz and a splash, a little soap, a little a little sprinkle and dry off, and you're good. But it speaks of a continual, like washing in the water of the Word. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Meditate on the Word. And then back to Romans 12:2 again, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. And then we back it up to the testing. The testing is this. Testing is putting it in the Greek, and I'm no Greek scholar. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Greek word for this. But the Greek speaks it this way. It's like putting it to practice to see its value. That's what we do with the word. By testing, we may discern or prove what is good, acceptable and perfect. The will of God, putting it to practice to see its value. There's not a guesswork like, well, I don't know. Is this valuable or not? Is the will of God and and these things, is it valuable or is it not? No, it's it is value. It does have value, but we put it. To work. We practice it. We are we are in some ways assaying. Like someone who's like an assayer. Looks at. Not assayer not assayer. Assayer. Looks at uh, a lump of gold. And, and then evaluates it for what it's worth is. But we're not talking about something that has questionable value. We're talking about something that has known value. A sure value. So we are called to put it to practice, to see its value, to see, to discern, to know that it is good and acceptable and perfect. We have this word to inform us and to move us. It is to inform us, and to move us. We're called to learn it and know it. And put it in practice. So that we see its value in how it really does live out. And it's not about how you feel or what makes me feel good or what's what's good for me today. No, for seeing it for its real value based on the one who gave it value in the first place. And walking that out is, is us living, believing... Then in Christ, we've been given value to walk out. And so there's a reason to walk it out. It's not just like do this because, you know, it's going to be good for you. No, it's do this because it has real value. It's living the real truth, not just some shadow or semblance of it. It's living the real thing. And it will produce fruit. It'll produce fruit in the lives of others because they'll see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And you'll see it at work, in you too, and it'll mean change in your life, my life. Peace that surpasses understanding. So you look around in the world and you look at the circumstances like, it doesn't make sense, but I have peace. That is the work of God. That is the Spirit of God. That is the confirmation that you're a child of God because God is giving you that peace. He's showing His work and His Word alive in you. It's confirmation. We have this Word to inform us and move us, not just in acts of service, not just in community, but also in the alone parts when it's just you and Him. When it is just you and Him. In Christ, you are never alone. You are never alone. And I don't want to say that as the one who's always watching, though it's true. But I want us to hear believers in Christ. He's a friend of That sticks closer than a brother. And that is true comfort. That is not a comfort you can have apart from Christ. It is not. That is not a comfort that you can just grab at because it's fleeting. Because you don't have Christ in here. Christ is just kind of in your space. you grew up that way or you've been around it a while. Or it's just something we do, you know. If that's where that space is at, it's like I'm here because I'm here. And that's what I got. That, that peace and that comfort, I'm sorry, it's not yours. It, it isn't. It's, it's not yours. That comfort of, of a friend that sticks closer in the breath, that's not yours. Apart from Christ, there is no comfort there. Apart from Christ, there is no real hope Apart from Christ, there is no transformation. Apart from Christ, there isn't the change that takes place from the inside out. Apart from Christ, it's just surface. And you realize that we can be conformed. We can be conformed to a world in the church. And it's very obvious, and what I see and hear around a lot right now is like, well, you're shaped like church person. Something's rotten in the middle somewhere. It's like there's, there's something that the word is not coming out here. So you've taken on the shape of church. It's called churchianity. You've taken on a shape, but there's no transformation. So it's my prayer. Oh, press this into this crowd. I've learned, do not make assumptions about where people are. Just don't it's bad. it just turns really bad really fast and this is not a sense of like oh let's just let's let's create some guilt and some shame and all that kind no 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 but I want to press this in if you don't know that you're his, if you don't know you don't have the witness of the Holy Spirit that you're a child of God. There is something to be done about that. And if that's been made, you're made cognizant of, like, I don't have that, uh, now's the time. Now is the time. Today is the day. And I want to press on you and push on you. Do something about it. You are forestalling all the peace and all the joy and all of the comfort that is available in Christ. You are still a slave to this world. Whether this world has a lot of Christian to you or not, you're still a slave to it. If you want to be free to be a slave to these fixed words, it's the transformation that takes place that the Holy Spirit does and works in you. And I would encourage you kind of, press this idea, idea up and you do something about it today Do it today if the Spirit of God is kind of nudging you that I'm not there and I'm not I don't have the peace then there's a conversation that we some of us need you you need to have with somebody and I'll say here I am let's have that conversation because if you need some reassurance then we'll do that. But if you just need Jesus and you you need this relationship, we do that. We, We go that place. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, for your word. Thank you for the truth of it. Thank you for the power of your word to change and to, I just pray, Lord, to see that work here with us. To see it. Because I know it is your work and your word it accomplishes what you set it forth to do. And may I, may we continue to press into what your word says and dig out of what your word says to be assured of what your word says to be confident of what you have spoken and what you have created and what you have designed and that our hearts will follow it and that we will be the different that You have made us in Christ, that we will be that, that it'll live and it'll walk and it'll move, it'll be obvious, it'll be seen because You've done it. And because You deserve the glory, You deserve the glory for it all. So I pray today, Lord, Thy will be done here as in heaven. May Your work and Your Word and Your design and Your plans come to fullness here in us. I pray here in me help us Lord, help us to put off anything that would hinder us from running for Your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen.